0: All right, Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me your words of life. Lock us in. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, as you speak through me, let everything be accomplished that your will be done right now. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. All right. I've just been doing very short little nuggets on. We've got to make sure that we're all on the same page about some issues because listen to what I'm saying. When I'm talking about a religious spirit, I'm not just talking about an attitude problem. You understand me? I'm not talking about certain people that see things a certain way and they have somewhat of an attitude problem. They, they don't like certain things. I'm not talking about it on that level, like an emotional, psychological thing. What I'm talking about is it's a spirit that's over regions, like a big giant umbrella. And it blankets a region with its, pre- with its presence and its oppression and its influence. And in this region, this whole religious witchcraft thing, I'm not going to get into, but a very strong religious spirit. And when people don't obey the Bible, the Bible says to pull down every stronghold. It says to bring every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And when people don't obey the Bible and they don't bring those thoughts down and they don't Um, make their mind come into agreement with the Holy Spirit and what the Bible says when they begin to agree in their thought process with that religious spirit that thing begins to dwell in their life influence their life influence their thoughts influence their emotions and now it's like a satanic anointing comes on them and now they're under the influence and the power of that regional territorial spirit to oppose the move of god okay hopefully i painted a picture i'm not talking about somebody with an attitude problem i'm talking about somebody that has an unholy anointing from the evil one to destroy and come against moves of god that's the same thing with this territorial jezebel thing it it will come it'll use a person to put like an evil anointing on them to go into a church to to destroy it from within. So, the reason why I'm taking time to discuss this is because I want you to understand that people that are under the influence of these territorial geographical spirits, they are not going to like tongues, okay? They're going to have a problem with tongues because when somebody becomes baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make this as fast as I can, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is now a clothing of power to do what jesus did that is a threat to the evil one you understand that is a major threat that is what Derek prince called the introduction now you're moving into the supernatural aspect of christianity now you have a supernatural power and anointing now you have a supernatural prayer language now you're beginning to move into the gifts of the spirit you see what i'm saying you're coming out of just being born again. Now you're coming into um, like a priestly anointing to do what Jesus did in the earth. And that's why these religious people do not like tongues because that that is part of that whole package. And they're going to oppose it if they can. And I want all of us to come. I've been praying this year that we will have unity in the faith. That Satan will not be able to divide from within by sowing religious people because when you have these these people that have like a satanic anointing they actually have an ability a supernatural ability to do things um, by the power of the evil one that you could not do in the flesh and they need to be discerned they also will hate the manifestations of the holy spirit why because when you start dealing with a level of anointing and power where now there's manifestations going on, like falling, shaking, jerking, crying, laughing, healings, miracles, deliverances, all these manifestations of the Holy Spirit at work, that is a threat to the devil. Because now the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. Heaven is invading earth. Now Satan's kingdom is being put to flight, and he's going to find his little puppets that he can to bring them in there and try to shut that thing down. So, I talked about tongues, I talked about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but now I want to talk to you about the third thing that religious people will really hate and oppose, and that is the deliverance ministry. Especially regarding Christians that need deliverance. Why? Because Satan doesn't want God's people free. This isn't complicated. Satan doesn't want God's people empowered and baptized in baptizing the Holy Spirit and functioning in power. He doesn't want revival going on, and he doesn't want people being set free. So what does he do? He finds people that will not have any discernment about them, that won't line up their thought processes with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, and they won't be humble and teachable. They'll be arrogant. He'll find them. And he'll put like an evil anointing on them and he'll use them to oppose the move of God and try to shut it down. So real quickly about Christians needing deliverance. We all know the world needs deliverance, but I'm talking about specifically Christians that need deliverance. Many of you within the sound of my voice, people that will be watching this, listening to this, people in other parts of the world, people I've prayed with, will attest to the fact that Christians... Many times do need some kind of deliverance In their life to some degree And the reason why is because they've picked things up From their past Or they inherited spiritual problems And so let me look at this in the scriptures It's here Just like the manifestations of the Holy Spirit Is there, it's like nuances It's there, there's scriptures that that talk about it But people don't want to see that They try to explain it away They'll take scriptures about tongues And they try to put their twist on it and just like that, they'll, they'll downplay some of the things I'm saying. Who cares? But the, the bottom line is, we've got to get people free. I love what David Hogan said. He said, only in America, would they sit around and argue and debate about whether the demon is in them, around them, on top of them, Listener, in their backyard, follows them around. He said, let me give you some advice. If there's a demon, just kick the thing out. Amen. Amen. So Christians that need deliverance. Number one, Simon the Sorcerer. Acts chapter 8. Philip went to Samaria, and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaiming the Messiah. Then when the crowds heard him, Philip, they heard Philip and saw the signs he performed. They paid close attention to what he had to say. With shrieks, demons would come out of people. Many that were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in the city. Now, for some time, there was a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people in Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, number one sign of a false prophet. And all the people, both high and low, gave their attention to this man. This man is right. They called him the great power. (laughs) They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere. Simon believed. He was baptized, and he became Philip's disciple. He followed him. Astonished by the great signs and miracles, he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Philip is an evangelist. They they sent the apostles now to come down. And when Peter and John arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, on them they had simply been baptized in the name of the lord jesus christ so they were saved with the holy spirit living in them but they haven't been baptized in the holy spirit with that endowment of power like jesus said when the holy spirit comes upon you you'll be my witnesses so then peter and john placed their hands on them they laid hands on them and they received the holy spirit when simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on the apostles hands he offered them money Let me stop there. Simon saw something. I guarantee you when Peter John laid hands on him, they shook, they fell, they were thrown back, they spoke in tongues, they cried, they laughed, whatever. Same things we see today. And Simon saw that. He thought, man. He said, he offered him money and said, give me also this ability so that everybody on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Because he'd been used to, you know, everybody looking at him. Look at what I can do. And so Peter answered him and rebuked him sternly. He said, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right with God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Peter saw that this ex-sorcerer, even though he was saved and baptized, was still full of bitterness and he was still in bondage and captivity to sin. You see what I'm saying? There's people that even though they've come to Christ, they're still in bondage to things. They inherited or things from their past. That's just the way it is. And we need to get them free. And I'm not going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, having been a religious Pharisee. Did you know the only people that Jesus was really rough with was the Pharisees? They were the ones, the Pharisees were the ones behind the money-changing And Jesus got a whip and took care of that. And he got up in front of everybody and started yelling at them and giving them the seven woes. He said, Woe to you Pharisees and scribes, you hypocrites. He said this in front of everybody, you hypocrites. And he was calling them hypocrites and he was just tearing them to shreds. Why? Because they were the greatest enemies to his ministry. They were the ones that conspired with Judas. They were the ones that were always stirring up riots against him. They were the ones really that had everything to do with him ending up on the cross. Ultimately, we know that it was God's will, but nonetheless, the Pharisees were the ones that hated him the most and pursued his death the most. It's a spirit of murder. And the Pharisees, the book of John records, they were jealous of Jesus' ministry. You know what I think a lot of it is with the Pharisees? I believe that they're jealous a lot of times because there's a power that they're seeing in operation that they do not have. And so they're jealous of it. Let me give you some more quick examples. Luke 22, verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. Judas followed Jesus, was his disciple, but Satan entered him, entered him, and used him. The Bible says, Whoever digs a pit may fall into it, whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. There are people that there's a wall but they're breaking through that wall and they're getting bit by serpents. See, there's somewhat of a hedge around people. But see, if ancestors did things to worship the devil or whatever, they broke the hedge open for that family and now serpents have struck that bloodline. There's people that because of their past, they've been sleeping around, having sex outside of marriage. They've been doing drugs, um, going into altered state of consciousness. They've been uh, worshiping other gods. They've been practicing witchcraft and the occult. And they broke a hedge and a serpent bit And now it's our job to dislodge that serpent and drive it out. Amen? The people G- Jesus ministered to were Jewish people. They were people of the covenant of God. They were God's people, the Jewish people at that time. And um, there was a woman who was bent over, remember? And Jesus rebuked a spirit of infirmity and it left her and she stood upright. And the ferret- who was mad? Only the Pharisees. Everybody else was happy for the lady. But the Pharisees, they could not be happy for the lady. They had to be mad that Jesus did it on the, on the Sabbath. That's the way the Pharisees were. They were always in opposition to the move of God. No matter what happened, Jesus, no matter what Jesus did, they, had, they found fault with it. And um, anyway, the woman was delivered from that demon. That had, and, and the Pharisees were mad. And this is what Jesus said. He said, is it not right for a daughter of Abraham to be healed on the Sabbath, a daughter of Abraham. But she was healed through a demon of infirmity that left her. So the people, the Jewish people of Jesus' day, those that were in covenant with God, some of them were in bondage to demonic spirits, and Jesus went through and delivered them. But it was interesting because even as the woman, the Canaanite woman came to Jesus, crying out, saying, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffers terribly, Um, And his disciples said man send her away She's just following us screaming And Jesus turned to her and said I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel And the woman said Lord help me And he said it's not right to give the children's bread And toss it to their dogs He wasn't trying to insult her But you gotta understand Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel And dogs was a common reference For the Gentiles And the woman instead of getting offended with Jesus She said Lord you're right Okay you're right But she said even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table And I could just see a big smile come on Jesus. He said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Your daughter's healed. And a demon came out of it. A large part of Jesus' ministry was the deliverance of demons. The temple. How many knows where the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Jews, got demons in that temple because they turned to idolatry. They set up, Ezekiel saw, they set up an idol inside the temple. That took a lot of nerve. And they burned incense to the idols inside the temple. Ezekiel saw things written on the walls that had to do with demon worship. So we know that the temple, because of sin, began to be inhabited by demonic spirits. And here's the last example. The land of Canaan. When the Israelites came in to possess the land of Canaan, God told Joshua, you're to go in and drive everything out. And totally take this land. When you become a Christian, you're like the land of Canaan, so to speak. Now it's your job and your responsibility to drive everything out of your life that is of the devil. And let the Lord now take full charge of your whole life. Okay? So bottom line is there's people that need deliverance. Let me give a quick story. There was a woman um, named Tammy that we're friends with. And she had been involved in Satanism. And because of my wife's testimony of coming out of witchcraft and all that, she got saved. And um, she, Tammy grew up in generational Satanism. Her whole family was in it. It was very serious. She was involved with the, the real Satanism that's underground. There was police involved. There was uh, medical personnel that would do off-the-record uh, things like having children that nobody knew about that were sacrificed, things like that. It was all this underground stuff, and she was very involved in it from the time she was a child. She was born into it. And so needless to say, she had many demons. And when she came to know Jesus, you got to understand, this was not some little wimpy conversion. She knew that her family would not only disown her, they would hate her, and they would pursue killing her. If not physically, they would try to kill her through witchcraft. She knew that. But she still accepted Jesus, knowing it may cost her her life. They threatened her. They, they would do animal sacrifices and send demons against her, and they would take the horns off of, like, the animal they sacrificed a goat or whatever and they would put it in her lawn and she knew what they were they were threatening her we're going to kill you if we can't kill you physically we're going to kill you through black magic and so she was constantly dependent on my wife for advice she got water baptized and she was she was really going after God she was trying but she also knew that those demons were still there she had talked to them her whole life They, they were screaming at her yelling at her she knew they were still there and she said I need to get delivered so my wife took her to a church there's people in this room that know which church this is and know the story and some of them were there and can verify what i'm going to tell you so my wife took her to this church and it's a pentecostal church and the pastor came by to pray for her he had his bible touched her on the head she flew backwards went berserk started cussing like a sailor and he drove out of her 14 or so demons and it took about four grown men is that right y'all were there four or five grown men to hold this woman down and she had supernatural power to where when she was on the ground, she would raise up a grown man off the ground like that. And the pastors driving out these demons are coming out of her. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Finally, she's being delivered like Mary Magdalene, remember? Um, you know, Mary Magdalene was the one that whenever Jesus raised from the dead, she was the first one to see him and to go out preaching the one who raised from the dead. Right, so there's a special place in Jesus' heart for these people. So anyway, she got delivered. That's not the end of the story. See, you would think that everybody would be happy about the story, wouldn't you? There's a woman that used to be a Satanist. Now she's a Christian. She used to be in bondage, but now she's getting delivered. This is awesome. You, I mean, I would be happy. You would be happy. But we're dealing with Pharisees. Remember, they don't like this stuff. So whenever it got done the pastor looks up and realizes you know he probably feels like matt Dillon with a little tumbleweed going by and there's only one or two people it's like where the congregation go you know and that they're all out in the foyer scared of demons which ticks me off by itself that i'm not going to go into that and they're out there and they told the pastor when he left they said we don't want this stuff going on in this church we don't want this at all this doesn't need to happen again anyway that, that part of the story makes me mad. But thank God she was delivered. And, you know, I just say to Jesus, if they won't do it, then I'll do it. Bring them here, I'll get them delivered. Amen? But I'm not ashamed of the deliverance ministry. I'm not ashamed of the fact that Christians need deliverance. And um, some of you have been delivered of things. You have to be. And God set you free. What if, what if I and what if River of Life, what if we didn't believe in deliverance? Where would you be? You would still have that stuff. God's had to set me free from bondages. He's had to set my wife free from bondages. She came out of witchcraft. Many of you. And so the Lord is in the delivering ministry. But do not let these religious Pharisees turn you against tongues or turn you against the manifestations of the Holy Spirit or turn you against the deliverance ministry. Okay? I wish the Bible was more just crystal clear where Jesus did a little discourse just on those things. I wish it was. all right, this is for the future generations because you're going to face Pharisees. Let me tell you that you need to not let them turn you away from tongues, okay? And there's going to be manifestations of the Holy Spirit and Christians are going to be delivered to things. I wish he was more crystal clear, but it's there. They just don't want to see it, okay? But I want to make sure in the days to come, because I felt the Lord tell me Satan's going to try new strategies and I want to make sure there's a unity in our doctrine and what we believe because when the religious people come they're going to sit back, probably not worship, sit back and just look at us which is always interesting yeah, awkward, and then and then they're they're going to get offended because somebody was over there praying in tongues and, and then somebody else fell out in the Holy Spirit and was laughing, that's really going to offend them I can't believe somebody's laughing in church and then if somebody actually gets delivered of a demon or something like that, they're like, oh, I can't believe and they're going to get offended at that and And Christians shouldn't have that in the first place. You know, Steve Hill preached a sermon one time called Strike the Viper's Nest, and I was there for it. It was during the days of Heartland. And he used the example of the Isle of Malta, where Peter was shipwrecked or whatever, and they started a fire. And when they, they put fire to this wood, a snake jumped out of the fire, latched hold of Paul. And Paul shook it off in the fire. But nonetheless, they thought he was going to die because it was a deadly snake. So they're watching him, waiting for him to swell up and fall over dead. And he didn't, so they thought he was—he must be a god. You know? And Paul used that opportunity to share Jesus with them. But Steve was talking about when you start a fire, snakes will come out. And uh, he was talking about people want revival, but then revival hits a church. And all of a sudden, Sister So-and-so, he said this. Sister so and so that played the piano for the last 30 years is on the ground manifesting a demon. Then all of a sudden, do they still want revival? That's what he said. And I remember going, That's right, Brother Steve, tell it like it is. You know? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes to clean house. He's going to deal. See, people come in, people can walk around with all their bondages and stuff like that. But when they come into the fire, all of a sudden, that stuff manifests. It comes up and to be dealt with, and the Holy Spirit will deal with it. Amen? And we need to have an anointing that will be able to deal with it. I think one of the reasons why a lot of these Pharisees are ticked off and stuff is because they personally do not have the level of anointing that stirs up the demonic and drives it out. All right, Lord, I thank you. And I just pray over this next season that there'll be unity in the faith, Lord, that we come together and be unified in every way. We're not going to allow the enemy to bring any type of division or discord because of religious Pharisees. Lord, we ask you to come do what you want to do. When you lived, Jesus, you were controversial. You were misunderstood. But you still did what the Father told you to do and you still spoke what the Father spoke and you were obedient to the death. And your ministry was characterized by the deliverance of demons. It was characterized by healing the sick. And it was characterized by the supernatural. And Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you come, you're going to come in a supernatural way. And we ask you, Lord, to come, stretch out your hand, perform miraculous signs and wonders. Do what you want to do. Have your way in this ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We could shut down the recordings. Thank you so much.